Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to Comic Book Club Live. Please give it up for your hosts, Alex and Pete. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And that's our man of the booth, Bookman Prime. Bookman Prime. Guys, thank you so much for coming this week. And Pete, in particular, thank you for coming. I'm very oh, excited to see you here. Thanks, man. Well, I'm just excited that you're alive. Yep. yep. We were at Keystone Comic Con this weekend in Philadelphia, yep. which yep. was very nice. We had a very nice time. Yeah, Philly known for its amazing foods. Yeah, sure. I mean, we were there for the Comic Con, but right. yes, yeah, the sure, food, sure. Yep. I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, now, we should mention, for those of you new to the show, Pete, Pete and I went last year. Right. Last year, after the panel, I think it was after the panel, we stopped by Reading Market in Philadelphia. It's right across the street oh, from the convention center. So you've got to go check it out if you've never been. It's great. Fantastic. Forget about the comics. Who cares about that? The food court is <laughs> just unbelievable. Court. There is, is it the 4th Street Cookie Shop? Yep. Nice. Fourth, uh, yeah, it's a famous 4th Street Cookie Shop. There you go. Uh, Pete knows it well because he got so many cookies last year. <laughs> He ate them for three days straight, yeah. nothing else, and okay. I am not exaggerating, almost died. Well, I, did, I didn't almost die. I had to call from work and doing the show. I mean, that's pretty close to that. <laughs> I just wasn't feeling well from only eating cookies. The only reason I would not do the show is if I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, I'd be here. Wow, that's I'm impressive. pretty close to death right now. <laughs> hey, congratulations. Yes, but speaking of which, uh, the so this year, I mm -hmm. can't help but notice you're not dead. Yep. So that's good. That's good. That's yeah, good I'm news. Uh, did you go back to the 4th Street Cookie Shop? I did, yes. Yes, of <laughs> course right. I did. Yep. Uh, and in fact, I will mention that, uh, so I was there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with my family. With your family. Uh, Pete and Justin texted me. They're like, hey, we're here. Probably like five or ten minutes later, I met you at the con. You already had a box of cookies. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Somehow. Yeah, well, you, you got to take your priorities. Yeah. So you already had the cookies. But then the other thing that happened, uh, there's a donut place there called the Baylor's? Bailers? Sure. Don't, it's Amish. You don't care. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's a Amish donut shop. Yeah. It's only open up until Saturday. Uh, you guys went back after our panel and got donuts? Well, because people at the panel were like, you missed the donuts. And I was like, what? And they were like, yeah. the Again, donuts I wanted to emphasize really this is a comic book convention, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so I went back, waited in line, and got the donuts, and that's when I got into trouble a little bit. Wait, what do you mean by got into trouble? Well, uh, this con was great because I didn't get addicted to cookies, but there was a donut called the Blueberry Fritter that, uh, uh, yeah, I was in trouble after that. Now, you were there Saturday. Mm -hmm. When did you stop eating donuts? Uh, today's Tuesday? Yes, it is. Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Have you eaten anything else? Yes, I have. I had pizza. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. The two food groups. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, I can't help but notice, though, uh, Justin, our third co-host, is not here. Right. What happened to him? You don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, did he eat anything weird? He, he didn't have any donuts or cookies or anything, right? Uh, he had some, yeah. Oh, he had some. Yeah, yeah. Did he maybe eat some of those pickles? Oh, well, he had a whole pickle situation. <laughs> because next to the donuts were pickles, and he got one giant pickle that was really hot and spicy, and then he got one regulation pickle, and he was just kind of biting. Yeah, just, you know, regulation pickle. Regulation pickle. Yeah. From the commissioner of pickles. Yeah. About this. So he had a giant regulation pickle and a giant hot pickle. And he would eat the hot pickle and start sweating and then eat the regular pickle to calm down and then go back to the hot pickle. So I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> but he's not here today. He's not here man. today. That's it's not looking story. good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Keystone Comic Con. Check it out. Great comic <laughs> convention. Yeah, it's a great comic book convention. Uh, it is. It actually is a lot of fun. Uh, we have some fun guests. We do. Though, yes. So we should probably welcome them out. One of them is the writer of the upcoming book, Squire. The other one is the co-president of Archie Comics and the creator of the Pete Fernandez Mystery Series. Ladies and gentlemen, Nadia Seamus and Alex Segura. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Hello. Hey, how are you? Have a Hello. seat. Have a microphone. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Hello. Come on out. Yeah. All right. Very excited to have you guys both back on the show. Thank you. Very Thanks excited. for having me. Hey. And us. Oh, yeah. uh, well, not just me. Yeah. Not just you. We have yeah. both of you here. and That's good. Uh, Nadia, let's chat with you first. So you have a bunch of projects you've set up since the last time we had you on the show. Uh, Squire yes. sounds super interesting. This is an original graphic novel, right? Yes, it is. Uh, can you give kind of the pitch for the audience? So Squire is a YA Middle Eastern fantasy that uh, is going to be coming out with HarperCollins in fall of 2021. Um, It is about this girl named Isa who is part of this kind of second class citizen race of newly conquered people who the only way for her to get citizenship is to join the army. And then, of course, when she enters, she has to contend with personal identity stuff and also a grand conspiracy that might plunge the empire into a thousand years of war. What do you do? Wow. Uh, The book looks gorgeous. Uh, What's the name of the artist you're working with again? Uh, My artist and co-creator is named uh, Sarah Alfoji, and she is... uh, I don't know everything. <laughs> She's a, an absolute powerhouse. She does a million things, but honestly, she, you know, she's, I'm so happy to work with her. Her art is incredible, and she will make my writing seem decent. <laughs> well, the last time we had you on the show, I think you were working on self funding a book, you yes. on Corpus. This is obviously a huge step for that. How did that get set up? How did you end up pitching this book? Well, yeah. So the last time I was here, um, I was kind of at the beginning of doing anything in comics, and I was just trying to kickstart this anthology about illness that was kind of a personal project of mine. And uh, Sarah and I actually met online through that, that you know, she kind of found Corpus, she supported it, and then we started talking as kind of some of the only Arab women in comics. Um, and then Sarah reached out to me and was like, hey, I want to do a graphic novel. You want you want in? And I was like, nah, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> was, and that was uh, that. <laughs> and then, and then and I left. And it never, and never happened. <laughs> and, uh, no, and then immediately we kind of started coming up with this concept, and she already had some designs from a project she had done for school, and they were so inspiring that I was able to kind of take some of that as a foundation and build on it. So we developed this pitch together. Um, I got an agent and then we, my agent set up, our agent set up a uh, publisher bid and it was just crazy. And so a lot has changed since I've been here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could say it all started with coming on Comic Book Club. (laughs) Yes. I dedicate Squire right now in this moment to this podcast. Yes. (laughs) All right. Show dismissed. (laughs) We got our goal. Uh, What were you going to say? Way to force that on her. No problem. Anytime. Uh, Nothing I say here is legally binding. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's true. Uh, So this book does come from both of your backgrounds, right? Uh, What parts 
what is it like pulling on that? What parts are you pulling on? What are you kind of leaving behind when you get to the page? So I think that um, Sarah and I both kind of grew up with the same kind of enjoying the same kind of media. So when we started talking, we had a lot of the similar kind of touchstones, both being fans of stuff like Avatar The Last Airbender and Full Metal Alchemist and nice. Mulan and just kind of generally fans of Girls With Swords <laughs> as a concept. Um, so it was pretty easy to kind of find the vibe of the book. And then also, you know, I'm a huge fantasy fan, but obviously a lot of Western family fantasy does not a hundred percent represent the place where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And in that same way, it kind of, if we are ever represented, it's kind of in a bit of an Orientalist fashion. So I wanted to write a book that had all those tropes that I loved growing up, these like really, you know, kind of the underdog story and kids and war and, you know, kind of fantasy. But at the same time, uh, really kind of celebrated my background in a way that I didn't get to see growing up. Cool. So when you, when you touch on that, and I don't know if this is getting into necessarily spoilers for the book, mm -hmm. but can you give an example of a trope that changes when you're looking through that particular lens? Um, I will say that there is no magic in this book. Mm -hmm. I think that kind of the trope of the magical Arab is enough, prevalent enough, that I just kind of was like, no magic. This is straight up Game of Thrones politics without the dragons, just politics. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think that Sarah did a great job pulling from kind of like you know, Middle Eastern design. And I did a lot of research about kind of the Ottoman and Byzantine Empire. Sarah even went to Turkey and Jordan and kind uh -huh. of took a bunch of reference photos while there. So um, it's kind of like the story itself, I would say, is pretty, you know, it's a Western story. It's a, it's a, it's a it pulls from all the stuff that I got and Sarah got kind of loved growing up. But the dressing of it, the kind of... Um, the dressing of it definitely is kind of just celebrating the Middle East and celebrating our language. And I will say that we do talk a lot about kind of race and, and the way that, you know, navigating a society in which you are in between two cultures and what that can feel like. So I would say that that is something that definitely comes from both of our experience, what it's like to grow up in a place that is at active war with the place that your family is from. Well, That's something. That, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. there might be something there you can yeah. play with a little bit. I guess the, the biggest line that both Sarah and I kept coming back to is we wrote the book that we wanted to hand ourselves when we were kids, mm -hmm. and also what does it mean when the greater good doesn't include you? So when is this coming out at this point? This is coming out in fall 2021. All right. Nice. And I also write Care Bears, which is much less intense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that was the next thing I was going to ask you about. So obviously opposite end of the spectrum there. Yeah. What is it like writing Care Bears? How do you yeah. get in the head of a bear who has things come out of their tummy? Well, <laughs> mostly it's vine references, if I'm honest. <laughs> Um, yeah, so it, it's me and a uh, co-writer, Matthew Ehrman, who is also, you know, it's funny because I do a lot of horror writing and does, so does my friend Matt. And then we both were like, let's do Care Bears. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not too much of a jump. I think anything just jumping out of your stomach is pretty horrifying. <laughs> but uh, ultimately, yeah, so basically we just kind of, that's for a much different audience, a younger audience. And I was like, if I could just make any kid skip the phase when they turn 11 and just start hating everything and think caring is not cool, if I could just make any kid forget that, um, that then I did, I did my part. So... <laughs> Awesome. And that's out now, right? That is out now. Issue one is out now. Issue two, which you will not want to miss because the Vine references in that one are incredible. Nice. Um, <laughs> I'm so impressed. That's literally all I care about. Uh, <laughs> you don't feel like updating them to TikTok or anything like that? You see, this is the thing, because there's like a comics lag, right? So by the time I wrote... You know, we wrote issues one and two and three, there was like new TikToks and we're behind and... 
I don't know. So just go a couple of years back. Yeah, just don't go a couple. You know, stick classic with the classics. Media. It's a period yeah. piece. <laughs> it's a period piece. And who finds. was now that you've written or are writing for the who's your favorite Care Bear and what's your favorite stare? Grumpy, one hundred percent. I'm just like I'm also tired of everyone's shit all the time. Does he say that? I'm tired of your shit all the time. Care Bears. I'm, really, I'm envisioning I mean, like a horror Care Bear state. Yeah, like I think there's a I'm space for that. I just want to write true detectives yeah. with Care Bears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely gives time to make the flowers a different They're meaning. never going to hire me again. They're going to listen to this and be like, no. <laughs> uh, we'll definitely check out all of that. Alex, let's turn to you. You always have a ton of stuff going on, but I think your big thing right now is you just released a new Pete Fernandez mystery, Miami Midnight. The last. The last Pete Fernandez book. How does it feel to wrap up that series? You know, at first I was happy about it because, I mean, it's you're with these characters for so long. And and Pete Fernandez is a private eye in my hometown of Miami, and it's a very noir, hard-boiled series. Um, And it's really telling his story, um, you know, about his alcoholism and just kind of coming of age and deciding to become a private investigator. Um, But it's pretty intense. And so by the fifth one, I felt like we'd reached the end of his story for now, and I was happy with that. And then when we announced that it was the end, I got... My inbox got blown up by people saying, how dare you? Like, oh, wow. What about Pete? You know, how could you do this? Like, and it's, at first I was like kind of offended. Like, he's mine. Like, I can do whatever <laughs> I want. Like, I have chosen this ending. But then I was really like, my heart was warmed because it meant wow. that people were really invested in this story. And um, it's such a personal case. And uh, I'll just give you the quick like elevator pitch. But um you know, at the, at the beginning of the book, he's retired based on what happened in the book before. And he's basically said, I'm done with this. I'm just going to work at a used bookstore. I'm not going to do any of this stuff anymore. And his, uh, a colleague of his dad, and his dad used to be a homicide detective in Miami, approaches him and says, what do you know about your mom? Oh. And, um, and, and in Pete's mind, his mom died in childbirth. And he never met her. And it was just one of these things that he'd just come to terms with. And he starts to dig deeper into it. And he realizes that there's much more to it. And she may have been murdered. And at the same time, he's been pulled into another case, like the the death of this jazz piano player in Miami. His dad happens to be uh, a Cuban gangster, you know, a, you know, a retired, quote unquote, Cuban gangster. And he basically forces Pete to investigate the death of his son. Um, and so Pete basically has to get the gang back together again. He has to work with his partner, Kathy, again, who's moved on from their romantic relationship and is engaged to another guy. His his other friend, a former FBI agent, is also like just moving away. So it's 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 a lot of like, let's get get our energy together and do this one more time. And and I think I think I hope I stuck the landing. It seems like the response has been mostly good. Um, I was super paranoid about getting the ending right, you know, because it's I've read so many series and you, we've all watched TV shows that just kind of end on a dud. Yeah. Um, and so you don't want to have a Sopranos ending for this. You know what I mean? I will defend the Sopranos ending, but oh. I get the reference. <laughs> no, but I mean, you see like some shows like Breaking Bad and the Americans do it so well. They just so end well. on a great note. And then you have other shows that like Game Seinf- of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones Sorry. or Seinfeld that you're just kind of like, uh, we could have just we should just stop. Yeah. Um, so, so yes, I try- we could all name yeah. TV shows. <laughs> Let's all name the things we hated last episode. Uh, just uh, real quick, uh, where's the pictures, big guy? Like, what's up? They're in the back. My picture is the only picture in the book. There's a lot of hubris there. Oh, there you go. Huh. Uh, yeah. I'm starting to think this is not a comic. It is yeah. not a comic. It is just words, and I've arranged them in order so you can understand them. Interesting. Oh, yes. Weird. The I, I've heard a bunch of different takes on this, and of course, aren't you worried about all the artists you put out of work by putting this out, <laughs> and all the trees I killed by printing yeah. all these words? <laughs> put out of work? Yeah, I mean, he's putting. Uh, he's worked with so many great artists over the years yeah. that have come to rely on him, and their family depend on him for. And I just said that's great. it. You were like, no, yeah. no more, no more. You're all I, dead to me. I'm, I'm going writing solo. a book. Dan Parent recently died of starvation. Is that true? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he is a character in Miami Midnight. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, I've heard so many different takes on this, and I'm curious to hear your take. I'm sure you've talked about this a million times, but how do you construct a mystery? I know each is different, but when you're talking about this, some people look at it as like, oh, it's a puzzle that you have to put together. It certainly seems like this is very character-driven. This is very coming out of the world of Pete Fernandez, but where do you start with something like that? 
Well, I mean, I approach it in two ways. The first one is, you know, what's the big plot? What's the mystery? What do I want to write about? And um, a lot of authors do a ton of research, and they're like, I'm going to focus on this, and it becomes very academic. For me, it's like literally whatever I'm obsessing over. So it was a lot of jazz, a lot of, like, Cuban gangsters and a little baseball and just stuff like that that was just, like, in my brain. And then I figured, how can I fit Pete into that? And what's Pete's journey? And and, and you're right, they are very character-driven because... For me, if he doesn't evolve in the book, then it's not interesting to me. There are a lot of, I think, mysteries that are not as character-driven, and it's just about, let's solve the murder, and it doesn't matter what the characters do or say. But for me, it has to really move the needle with, with Pete. And so that's my question was, you know, what's going to really alter his character so by the end of the book, the readers who've been reading the whole series can say, that was meaningful for him. This is an important moment in his life. Um, but the mystery has to pay off. And so usually I know the ending before I start writing, you know, before I start, you know, writing the whole story, I know who the who the murderer is, basically, what the twist is going to be, what the red herring is going to be, and then I give myself enough room to kind of fill in the spaces as I go. Now, how do you balance all of this with your day-to-day responsibilities in Archie? How does that work? Uh, very carefully. <laughs> no, it's just... Um, I wish I had a much more exciting social life. I have two kids. I have a family. I have a full-time job at Archie, and I do a ton of writing. I write books. It's basically been a book a year for at least the last five years. So wow. it's, um, you know, in your 20s, you have so much more time. When, you're, when I was younger, I had more time. I could just sit around, and it's much harder now. Now I'm... <laughs> Nadia? <laughs> not a judgment. Comment? Not a judgment mm-hmm. on anyone no. on this panel. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't... So it's much more about found time, like... Okay, I have 20 minutes, the kids are asleep, I can jam out a chapter. And it's really like finding those little pockets of time and uh, not sleeping at all. Oh, man. Uh, Now that you've finished off this series, do you have another mystery series you're kind of inkling around? Do you have some other direction you want to go in? Uh, Or do you want to check out the sleep thing a lot of people are talking about? Yeah, I don't know if that's an option. Yeah, we have a four-month-old, so she is not cool with us sleeping. Yeah, it's kind of a drag. But... um, I do have an idea for a standalone novel that will have a different protagonist. It's going to be set in the 70s. It's going to be a female. She's not a PI. She just happens to s- solve the murder or the, the case, and it's tied to her. Personally, it's still a ways away, so I don't want to get too into it, but it's a standalone, which is basically just means it's, there's no, it's not a series. It'll just be one and done. Very cool. Uh, let's talk about the RG stuff because you yeah. always have a lot going on there as well. Um, what, what's here. the big thing that you want to plug right now? There's so many things coming out from the publisher. What do you think the, what, what's the thing you're most excited about? Well, I mean, obviously Riverdale and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina are yeah. huge in terms of just television. And they've just become this pop culture phenomenon and really reinvigorated the brand. So people are so much more aware of what we're doing. But um, two things. I'm in love with the Kelly Thompson, Veronica and Andy Fish, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. I feel like it hits the perfect tone for that character. It's it's a little horror. It's a little YA. It's very funny and charming. And I feel, you know, I, I'm just so proud of that team because it's such a perfect blending of people. Um, and then on the flagship Archie book, Mariko Tamaki is coming on board to co-write with Nick Spencer. And um, mm-hmm. she's got a great voice. She's written so many great things. And we brought in Jen St. Ange to do a two-issue guest stint. And she's fantastic. And so what they're telling, they're telling the origin story of the Archie and Sabrina romance. So you kind of flash back to the previous summer and see how these two characters, who, to my mind, had never really connected romantically except for like one-off random classic Archie stories. So it seemed like a no-brainer. It's like, why don't we put our two biggest characters together and see, you know, what would happen? Um, And obviously the Archie horror stuff has really resonated with readers and we're doing a big uh, Jug of the Hunger versus Vampironica crossover. So (laughs) if you'd guessed maybe 50... (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Yes, a big fan. Um, <laughs> I don't think anyone would have guessed that Archie would be one of the premier like horror comic book publishers today. So yeah. I'm excited about that. The Archie and Sabrina things are particularly interesting given uh, in light of the TV stuff because the way they're structured, for those of you who haven't been reading them, they skirt the TV shows while still remaining mostly family-friendly. How how do you work with the art- artists? How do you work with the writers to skirt that line? I mean, those are just content kind of, you know, I, I think the idea is you, people are, are coming to the comics, maybe they're inspired, maybe they're motivated by Riverdale, Riverdale or Sabrina, but you don't want them to feel like they're just getting an adaptation. You know, it's got to be different enough, but also, you know, fall into that age range where there's certain content stuff that you don't want to cross. 
Um, so it evokes the show. There's elements of Nick's Archie run that feels Riverdale-ish, maybe a little bit more than the Wade stuff, but it never feels like a lost episode of Riverdale. And the Sabrina comic is similar to the show, but it's also different enough that you feel like you're getting something unique. That didn't really answer your question. Uh, I, I don't, <laughs> no, it was great. Uh, I don't know if you can answer this part, but at the San Diego Comic-Con panel for Riverdale, Roberto Garcicasa uh, said, oh, we're sitting down with the Archie folks to talk about bringing a big character on Riverdale. What's that character, first of all? Just tell us. And, uh, I will, I'm happy to announce that here, that it's me. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah. uh, but when he, sits down, when he says that, who yeah. is he sitting down with? Is he sitting down yeah. with you? Did is you sit down with him? What happened? Is he sitting down with John Goldwater? Uh, how does yeah, that work? Yeah, I mean, he chats with John, and uh, you know, they, they chat regularly. And, and the, the, the uh, Hollywood division, I guess, uh, the, the Archie shows do connect with the publishing side. And you know, we, we keep them up to date with what we're doing, and they, they let us know what they're doing. And obviously, the Riverdale and Sabrina Empire has expanded. We were doing stuff with Scholastic and things like that. So, and those those stories are filling in the gaps, and we're doing our own comics too, based in those worlds. So, we're all kind of tapped into what we're creating. And the third Archieverse show is showing up pretty soon. It's showing up next year. Katie Keene. Yes, uh, I know you guys are publishing a collection of the older Katie Keene stuff. Is there any plans to reboot it, a la Archie, a la Sabrina? That would make a lot of sense. Oh, okay. <laughs> Yes. No follow-up questions. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else you want to plug before we move on? Uh, I, we just announced that I'm co-writing oh, a right. Comixology Originals book called The Black Ghost, and I'm co-writing it with Monica Gallagher, who she and I wrote Lethal Lit, which was a pretty – it was a podcast that came out last year. The Times said it was one of the five best of the year, so we were happy about that. Congrats. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so that was cool, and it's um, – it's a noir superhero take. It's about this journalist who moves to this new town and she becomes obsessed with this vigilante called the Black Ghost to the point where it's kind of disrupting her own life. You know, she's on the verge of getting fired and she's not really not really doing the things she's supposed to be doing, but she's about to crack the case and figure out who this guy is and then there's a twist. Oh, very cool. And that's coming out next month. September right? 18th and it's it's really a great team. George Kambadeus, who's a Greek artist who's done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, he's fantastic. I know George, he's great. Yeah, he's so fast and so good and I, like when he joined the team I was like, how is this happening? Like the heavens parted and he showed up. Um, Taylor Esposito on letters and Ellie Wright on colors and Greg Lockhart is our editor. So it's like a, a cool team of just like my favorite people in comics. Aww. Very cool. Uh, guys, we're going to move on with our next section, which is audience questions. And for that, we're going to go out to you guys. Now, if you ask a question, you're going to get some free stuff, some swag there from over from Pete. That's right. Free but comics. at the end of the audience questions, Alex is going to choose the best question and you're going to get... A copy of Miami Midnight. Also featuring a Pete. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So many Pete's on this show. Uh, So, yeah, make the questions good, you guys, or else. uh, Raise your hand if you want to ask a question. Come out to you. Absolutely anything. Questions, questions. Who's got questions? You, sir, what's your name? What's your question? My name is Kevin, and Mm. you've been talking a lot about, uh, you know, the genre bending and the challenges of writing, say, horror versus Care Bears. Mm. Um, What are some of the ways that each influences the other in your writing. I mean, you certainly talked about horror, you know, influencing your Care Bears, right? Do you see ways in which the Care Bears writing, for example, will maybe just some of the challenges will influence your horror writing? I hope it does. I hope the Care Bears really do (laughs) influence your horror writing. I will say right now that the the Care Bears run that I'm doing is not so much horror... uh, not so much horror as it is just kind of pop culture jokes. Um, like I said, mine's fine. My co-writer, Matthew Ehrman, if there's a JoJo reference, you can thank him. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, naturally... So I, I started off doing horror writing just kind of for myself, and any personal projects I write are usually horror. Um, and I think that there is something to be said about writing mostly for publishing kids stuff and thinking about ways to do kids horror or, you know, and uh, thinking about ways to kind of make a bunch of weird children in the future. (laughs) 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 Uh, Alex, what about you? How do the different sides of your writing influence each other? Uh, I mean... It's, a, it's interesting. I, I feel like writing comics has taught me to be compact with my prose. You know, in, in 
when you're writing comics, you're writing for the artist. You know, you don't want to overburden the comic page with captions. People pick up comics. It's a visual medium. So a lot of my prose writing is kind of this imaginary contract with the reader. I expect you to kind of paint the picture yourself, which isn't to say that my descriptions are like the door open. It's, it's a little, there's a little color, but just enough for the reader to kind of figure it out for themselves. And I think that comes from comics. And you know what, I'll say something else on this, is that, you know, actually before doing comics at all, I was mostly in poetry, and I, I, would, and I would read around the city, and I have a few things published that I got in college, but that there is something to be said about um, kind of the economy of yeah. words in a poem and the economy of words on a page or on a panel, and the way that you learn to kind of break up dialogue to create an effect. So you're, you're definitely right that there is a lot of you know, now I'm in this period where I'm trying to write a little bit of everything. I'm trying to do prose. I'm going back to poetry. I'm learning how to script for different types of mediums. And I think that all of that is important yeah, to be well-rounded. No. Poetry is fantastic just for, you know, just managing word count and just keeping it tight. Um, but even in, like, mystery novels, one thing I noticed when I came into mystery novels is that you very rarely see the origin story of the detective. Like, you always meet them, and they're established, and they, mm-hmm. you know, they have their routines. Or washed up. Yeah, exactly. They're, you know, drinking 12 beers, and they're saving yeah. the day. And, and that really bothered me. I was like, I want to learn the origin story, so I'm going to have to write one, I guess. And th- that's comics in my head. And so I, I think, you know, the two things feed each other really well. Cool. Great question. You're going to get some free stuff. We already got it. Uh, here's another hand right here. What's your name? What's your question? Hi, oh, my name. There. Sweet Hello. T-shirt, by the way. Thanks. I made it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Fawad, and I'm from Miami. Hey. 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 And, what uh, part of Miami? I'm from Hialeah. Nice. I'm a Pakistani from Hialeah. It's confusing. <laughs> it's, a very, it's, a very, it's a very Cuban part of town. Yeah. So my question is, Ray, the Cuban stuff... So what's it like? Uh, has it changed being a Latin American writer, writing a Latin American protagonist, given the current Latinx kind of movement and stuff going on in the country, Latin characters in comics? What are your thoughts about some of that? I'd be curious to know. I mean, I think it's great. I think it's obviously it's uh, there was when when the first people came out, I felt a little alone in that department. I didn't know a lot of other, you know, uh, Latinx crime writers. And um, now there's organizations, there's this great organization called Crime Writers of Color where we, we all kind of communicate with each other and just give advice. And I kind of wish I had that when I started out. Um, and there is a Latin crime writing community and it just, it was just it took me a matter of time to like kind of find other writers like me. Um, and the main reason I started writing the Peep books is because I couldn't find any books that had a Cuban-American protagonist. And I wanted to read about someone like me uh, doing dangerous things that I would never do. <laughs> so. uh, it, just a slight follow-up question or like a little bit of a swerve. Uh, has writing this many books about your hometown changed your view on your hometown? Ooh. Uh, I, it's, it, the series started out, it was kind of a byproduct of being homesick because I had just first moved to New York. I started working at DC doing publicity and there's a lot to be said for when your hobbies become your job. So I was working in comics full time. We'd literally get a stack of comics every week and it just became... It was still fun, but it became work. It was your day-to-day. And so I started reading a lot of crime novels, and I couldn't really write about New York yet. I didn't, have, I didn't feel like I had it in me to write a New York crime novel. So I started writing about Miami, and it really added weight to my interactions with the city. So every time we're there visiting, you know, we're there a couple times a year, I'm not just there to kind of spend time with my family, but I'm there. I'm absorbing what's happened to Miami, how it's changing, just because, A, I have to, because I, I really feel like people come to these books and want it to feel yeah. genuine. Um, but it's uh, my affection for the town has grown, and I really, you know, I miss it now, not being there all the time. Um, in a way that when I left, I was like, I'm sick of Miami. I'm out of here. I'm going to go make it in the big city. <laughs> uh, but now I have a really great fondness for it that I wasn't expecting. Cool. Where am I from? Westchester. Uh, Westchester, yeah. Miami. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. It sounds like you're lying, but all right. <laughs> it's, it does not exist. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, another question. Ooh, I see you right over there, Harry. Could you come out and around? All right. Ooh, you're all right. Don't worry about it. What's your name? What's your question? Hello, Pete. Hey, Pablo. Hello. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Um, since we're we're gonna go back in the horror theme of our questioning here. Um, what is the most unique character you would like to see in a horror setting, or 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 licensed property, or original idea? 
upper. I mean, I and pretty much what I want to ask is, what do you see as an IP in sort of a horror side of a setting? Maybe something that normally isn't in a horror setting that you'd like to see in a horror setting? Okay, yeah. So something that isn't normally horror, like Care Bears, Bears but horror. <laughs> uh, what would you want to see? I kind of want to see that. I really do want to see it now. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Just slowly start working it in. Yeah. They won't By issue three, it. like the blood is yeah. flowing. <laughs> wow, this became disturbing I mean, I will in our say, readers. So I, will, I will say that, okay, so in the, the arc that I'm writing for Care Bears. So they have to go into these this kind of weird fun house where they have to confront the worst versions of themselves and oh, defeat them. Oh, man. <laughs> wow, that's intense. Scare Bears. <laughs> yeah, right? And if I could have made it us, I would have. But <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Definitely not. But, um, but yeah, so I guess that is kind of a, a well-established horror trope. Um, but you know, just make it Care Bears, make it a little fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a really good question, and I I want to think about it a little longer. You want to go? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I'm I'm in the weeds with that idea every day. With the idea that Archie, we're taking the Archie iconic characters and twisting them enough so they're in these horror and sci-fi settings. So you have Archie fighting zombies. You have Jughead as a werewolf. Veronica as a vampire. Um, I don't know. I feel like or Predator a, shows up. Yeah, Predator shows up. Yeah. Uh, that's always fun. And Sharknado. Um, mm. I feel like a Smurfs horror would be really intense. Oh, but I feel yeah. like there was also one episode that I still am haunted by. That one where <laughs> they were biting each other and turning purple. Do you remember that episode? What? Yeah. What? This is a real this? episode. No, it was okay. real. I remember. I have to. I'll have to find it and share it online just so oh, I don't my. sound even. It's true. It's real. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like there's space for like a Smurfs horror. Yeah. Is there? I always misremember this. Did Gargamel want to eat the Smurfs? He wanted to eat them. Yeah. And he yeah. created Smurfette to entice them. Okay. Not he wanted to change them into gold, right? No, I think he I, wanted to eat them. He wanted, wanted to, to eat, eat them. them. Why yeah. would he want to eat Smurfs? I'm right? It's both? He'd want to turn them into gold and Somebody eat them? Somebody said I'm right, so we should focus on that. Wait, which, <laughs> which Alex? There's two Alexes. Zalba. Oh. Okay. He wanted to do both? He wanted so he wanted to eat gold as the end goal. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it was one way in the books and one way oh, on okay. the show. Yeah, that might be what it is. All right. Uh, yeah, that's pretty horrifying. Uh, Pete, do you have one? <laughs> well, it's just it's me, thinking of these like old school cartoons made me think of like, oh man, it would be fucked up if like uh, <laughs> the gummy bears, you know, were like frozen and then like just smashed in front of their family. You know, that would wow, be Jesus, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Oh my god! It's already like a dark story about addiction, and now you're bringing this <laughs> horror stuff into it. Uh, great question. You're going to get some free comics. I see another one over here. What's your name? What's your question? Hi, my name is uh, Brett Macris. Hey! Oh! Some of you, it's some you. Of you know Hello. me as Stray Bullet. Yeah. And honestly, my first question was going to be to hand Alex just a list of. New Orleans street names for him to pronounce <laughs> poorly, but no, that's not why I'm here. I'm actually here to give Kevin his apron. Oh, his apron. yeah. I'm gonna give a little explain what's happening. So, so Brett actually. Uh, Hello, nice to meet you in person. Uh, Brett has been a long-time contributor to our Cloak and Dagger podcast, Cloak and Jabber. He's our New Orleans correspondent, yep. writes in with information on the city about each of the episodes, uh, supports us on Patreon, and also may, is an amazing chef and makes these comic book-based aprons. He made some for us. The sh- yeah, there we go. There's the Punisher apron that he made for Pete. Uh, the short version of the story is Pete made a crazy quiz, followed by I made a crazy quiz all about Cypher, which Kevin solved and won, and Brett offered to make an apron for that. Uh, yeah, do you want to? Uh, so he actually asked me, I, I said, what, what, name the apron, whatever you want. And he said, Squirrel Girl or Gwenpool. Good wow. choice, yeah. good choice. And being the chef, I was like, an apron with fur is not going to work. <laughs> like you're going to, I, I'm going to get a, a, there's going to be a story on New York one about a guy who burned alive with his fur apron. <laughs> so what a way to go. All right. So here we go. Oh, <laughs> oh. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That wow. Was 
We'll have to take a picture of this for those of you listening at home on the podcast. This is amazing. Yeah, so instead of the G. Oh, wait here. Hold on. It's got the K. Wow. I, I call it the Kev Pool apron. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Kev Pool. It's got straps that are katanas. It's got, you know, pockets for phones. There's a little pen pocket here. There's a little pocket for drugs if you want or whatever you want to hide. It's whatever you want. But, Kevin, you know, congratulations. Congratulations, Kevin. Uh, that's amazing. Kev. Brett, wow. that's awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, Pete is wearing his, like, a Snuggie now. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going on. This is how I sleep at night. <laughs> Uh, Pete lives here, so yeah. that's important. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, great question, Brett. <laughs> uh, you'll still get some free comics for that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, do we have any other questions? Anything else for our amazing guests? No? Nothing? Uh, can't top that? All right, that's cool. We're going to move on with our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Do you want to give away the book? Oh, yes, wait. Oh, yeah, Before we, we do away that. The the book. Do you have a favorite question, Alex? To the gentleman from Hialeah. Oh. Hey! There you go. Rocking the sweet Punisher tea. Yes. There you go. All right. Now we are going to move on to trivia with Pete. So All take right. it away, Pete. This is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. Thank you, Boothman Prime. Uh, it's an opportunity to win 25 free dollars. That's right. In the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics, is if you had 25 bucks, you go to a comic book shop. Uh, how it works is uh, one lucky audience member will win 25 free dollars. Simple raising of the hand. Simple. Yes, casual hand up guy. Come on down. <laughs> Casually putting his hand up into the air. Please come over here. All right. Remind us of your name, Pablo. Hello, Pete. Hey, Pablo. All right, so, Hello. Pablo, I'm going to read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. $25 will be yours. Today's si, trivia. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Si, senor. Okay. Today's trivia is on topical comic news. Question number one. This December, they're doing a special one-shot called Hellboy and the BPRD blank. Is it... A, the Seven Wives Club, B, the Seven Depths of Hell, or is it C, Hans Zimmer? So it's either A, or you could pick B or C. <laughs> Big neuter, because A is to A. A is correct. That's right. The Seven Wives Club, one shot. Uh, what a title. Yeah, very interesting. Uh Question number two, Thanos creator Jim Starlin is reintroducing blank, his creator-owned character. Is it A, Stanos, B, Dreadstar, or is it C, Malik Yoba? So it's either A, Stanos, or you could pick B and be correct. It's B, because I read the book back in the day. Oh, you did? Oh, all right. Pablo flexing, flexing a little bit. All right, here we go. Last one. What? Uh, that was not a prompt. Uh, what, what famous father is going to be writing a five-issue Spider-Man arc with his son, Aw, oh, Dorbs? Is it A, J.J. Abrams, B, Samuel L. Jackson, or is it C, Doug E. Doug? So it's either A, or you could pick B and C and be completely wrong. I'm going to pick A. A is correct. $25 free dollars, Pablo. Congratulations, sir. All right. Uh, I just want to point out, J.J. Abrams' son is like uh, mid to late 20s, so I don't know if it's like, oh. He's still writing it with his son. I know, but I want to go like, oh. That's a father-son team. That's a little old for that. That's all I'm saying. Wait, 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 wait. What? Fuck you for saying that. Why? I don't know. It's, it's a father-son like, team-up. It's like a adorable. partnership type thing. Adorable? That's adorable. There's an age I'm writing it. a comic with my if it's son. His, if it's his five-year-old son, it's adorable. His 25-year-old son. Are you son, shaming you're... people who read comics right now? Like I'm people... shaming 25-year-olds. Oh, my God. As, as you may or may not have guessed, there is a sub-quiz that Pete runs and the third answer is of his questions. They're all referenced to something 
Now, the past couple of weeks, uh, months, perhaps even years, it's been <laughs> Not years. John Candy movies. That's right. Uh, it still is a John Candy movie. Kevin, uh, the recipient of Wait, our... we should re-read re- Yeah, do you want to re-read yeah, them? Yeah, so it's Hans Zimmer, uh, Malik Yoba, and Doug E. Doug. Great. All right, uh, Kevin, you want to take this one? It's Cool Runnings. It is Cool Runnings. Cool runnings. <laughs> I'm Great. almost completely out. Of John Candy movies. <laughs> I told you it was We're up to Cool Runnings, so it's... Yeah, yeah, that's it? Are you done at this point? There's a few I don't more. think I'm done. You don't think I'm you, getting close, though. You're getting close. What are you going to do? I'll move on to something else. <laughs> Great. Uh, you know, yeah, I still wait Did for you just couple. memorize all the John Candy movies? I don't know why. I don't want to get into this. I don't want to get into this. this is too much. It seems like you do. Uh, I'm a little curious. Guys, as we all know, tomorrow is new comic book day. We recommend you go to Midtown Comics because they've been nice enough to sponsor the show. Pete, what are you looking forward to? Oh, man. Uh, I should have been ready for this. Sure. Do you want me to Nope. Say- uh, Martian Manhunter number eight and Thor number 16. Cool. Any particular reason? Uh, I'm excited to see what happens. <laughs> Fair enough. Great. Marshall <laughs> uh, Man Hunter is fantastic. It's Riley Rossmo and art, uh, which for me is the huge draw there. The art is absolutely superb and trippy in the best way. Mm-hmm. The other one is Thor, and Jason Aaron is starting to wrap up his run on Thor, so it's yeah. exciting to see what he's going to do. It's going to be there. sad when he leaves Thor. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Power Pack Grow Up. Number one is coming out tomorrow. This is Louise Simonson and June Brigman getting back together to tell a classic tale of Power Pack. I cannot wait. I, I, I would like to point out, we do a thing called The Stack, where we review comics that come out every Wednesday. And when you talked about Power Pack, it was, I've seen you talk about your children <laughs> doing amazing things. You've never lit up like you did when you were talking about that comic. You were like, I got to see what you look like on Christmas morning. You were just like... <laughs> I mean, I'm Jewish, but I get your point. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll have a review of that at our Stack Podcast, as you mentioned, Wednesday at 9 a.m. It runs in both the Comic Book Club feed and in its own Stack feed, so you can check it out either way. Nadia, plug your stuff again. What should people be checking out? Well, Squire is a long ways away, but in the meantime... You can pick up Care Bears. Issue 1 is out. Issue 2 comes out September 25th. Will they survive the funhouse? <laughs> <laughs> Does it all end here? I, I don't it... know. You'll have to reach for that. <laughs> Read the book. Oh. <laughs> uh, Alex, what about you? What would you like to plug? I just want to give a quick shout-out to uh, two books that I'm excited about Uh Chip Zdarsky, uh, who is one of my favorite people in comics, is closing out Spider-Man Life Story, which if you're a Spider-Man... It's the 2010s right now, right? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's just the big finale, and it's drawn by superstar Spidey artist Mark Bagley. And if you're a Spidey fan, it's just like a dream. He's weaving all these different things, all these different continuities, and and it's a lot of fun. Uh, And I'm also obsessed with uh, Hickman's House of X, you know, Power Mm -hmm. of X. Yeah, I think it's House of X. House of X is next, because they three Power twice, right? Now, you, you said uh, your favorite person in comics, and I'm very curious about that, because you work with a lot of amazing people. One of my favorite people in comics. Okay, I right. qualified it. All right. All right. <laughs> but uh, I do like Chip. Can I plug something that's not coming out this Wednesday, but the Wednesday after? Sure. Yes, sure. of course. Um, something is Killing the Children. Oh, yeah. It looks oh, like yeah. this incredible so horror book. Um, it's all, it's already been upgraded to an ongoing, and it still hasn't, it like, and it hasn't even come out yet. That's how much hype is around it. And wow. um, so... Everyone picked that up. It looks like it's going to be absolutely amazing. And is that from Boom? James, it's from Boom, and it's James Tinian, yes, yeah. uh, writing. Cool. Yes. Yeah, that looks great. Uh, Alex, plug your stuff. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to, I'm just curious <laughs> okay. as to why. You know, some people are like, oh, yeah, this dude, I love that dude, but like, what is it? Because like, I, I love Sarsky his writing. He's one of the nicest people who's ever lived, even though he will do everything in his power to convince you otherwise. Um, I will say that when I first started out in comics, I did Comics Press, mm-hmm. and he was one of the first people I interviewed, and he was so nice to me. Mm-hmm. And he that he made, and then as I was doing any part of my career, he was always there plugging, supporting, being a cool dude, and pretending to be an asshole the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. the thing about Chip. He's like a genuinely sweet person, and he's got this 
vibe that people get online that he's like, he's, he's a joker. He's funny. He's hilarious. Like I read his newsletter and I crack up just in or on Twitter. Um, and I knew him when we were working on Jughead, he, he saw how we were relaunching Archie and he was like, get me on a variant cover. And then we asked him to pitch on Jughead and he had that epic run. Um, and he's just great. And you know, he has this, this comedy act he puts on, but he's also such a great writer. You read his stuff and you're like, this is nothing like that Joker on Twitter. Like it's such, a, <laughs> such an amazing. He's just one of my favorite uh, people in comics. So as cool. I said, cool. And you should really play. I should plug stuff. my stuff. Yes. Yeah, Miami Midnight, which is the last Pete Fernandez book, is out now. Wherever books are sold, uh, the Black Ghost comes out on September 18th, and uh, I think that's it. Right. And buy everything from Archie Comics. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I do. A uh, couple of things before we go. This show is free to come see and free to listen to, but it does cost us a little bit of money to do. What? I totally forgot to plug something. Actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, because it's self-published, and I forget that that is a, a viable actual thing. I'm self-publishing a short called Summer in Brooklyn, which is a short about I'm a native Brooklynite. Um, it's going to be debuting at Small Press Expo. Um, and it's about kind of just this one perfect day being a kid in Brooklyn, running around bodegas and being like a animal, I guess. Um, because you know, when you're growing up in this city, parents just kind of let you do whatever you want. Um, and, uh, I don't know if that's true. (laughs) All right. Well, my parents, (laughs) they were like, go get us a coffee and try not to die. (laughs) Wow. They're great parents. (laughs) Uh, cool. Patreon.com. You can check us out there and support the show as well as the podcast. We have a couple of other podcasts we do. I mentioned the Stack podcast in its own feed. We also do a preacher podcast called Preacher Men. Uh, we are going to be launching a new podcast called Watchmen Watch, which is all about Watchmen. Thank yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, so that'll be live starting after Labor Day, as I think we're raving for and right don't now. don't forget about our fun Slack where we talk a lot about food. And, yes, uh, we have a food Slack. Uh, yeah. You can get that through the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to plug? Pete? Oh yeah, this uh, weekend, uh, Dare to Draw is doing an event, uh, and that will be uh, on Saturday, thirty first. Uh, check them out on Twitter. It's Dare, and then uh, the number two. Yeah. Also our Facebook, maybe? Yeah, also on Facebook. Thank you. Great. Yeah, you can check out our Facebook, Comic Book Club. Also, Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com. For this podcast and more, you can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, or the app of your choice. A couple of people we want to thank before we go. We want to thank Nadia for being on the show. Thank you, guys. Alex. Bootman Prime. Prime. Brett Macris for coming out (laughs) on the Awesome Apron. And thank all of you guys. We're here every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Totally free. Please tell your friends. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming out. Front top, Paulie G.